Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt, and welcome to Valentine's Happy Valentine's, Month. everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, happy Valentine's Day, Matt. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, here's my I, gift to you. I know it's you. not Valentine's Day when we record, but it is when no, this gets released. It will. So this is our gift to all of you also, and uh, the gift is... Um, we're going to cover Twilight. This is what we're going to do yes. in February. We're going to cover the movies. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going to do a whole lot of heavy research to learn more about the differences between that and the books. Um, so don't, please don't yell at us. <laughs> we're doing our yeah, best. Normally I'm uh, a This is some of our guy, first times. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I've never yeah, seen Danny avoided movies, research so I'm trying to go time. into every single one of them with as little knowledge as possible outside of the movies themselves. And my experience with them as a first-time viewer. Okay, that doesn't excuse you, though, from, like, getting hype. Because I need you to be, like... I feel like that means you can't fake hype and you can't fake interest. Is if you're getting... If you oh, get I'm more not going to, man. As I'm go, here for oh, it. Oh, good. Because you better. Uh, I know it's maybe a little <laughs> bit hard to establish with this one, um, but it's okay. <laughs> it's going to get really, really good. we got a world build. We got sequels to get me really invested. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so part of the, like, um, listener, not not, not listener discretion, but more like full disclosure at the top of our series, um, we cover mostly uh, horror and horror-adjacent properties on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole impetus of our show is to cover stuff that is not square, like not for square audience, and then market it to a square audience. This is one of the first times that uh, <clears throat> we're going to be taking a topic that is largely square audience friendly, and I feel like we mm-hmm. can turn it on its head and see if we can market it to horror fans. Uh, I think which is absolutely possible. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like this is our first like horror adjacent adjacent uh, film <laughs> franchise, which I'm really excited about because it's something we don't normally get to talk about. No, uh, we get to be all is... different and fun. Yeah. <laughs> So we get to have a whole new experience with this one. But yes, as Matt mentioned, um, I have not read the books, so I will definitely not be able to talk at all about the differences (laughs) between the books and the films, and I'm not going to research them ahead of time, because I have a feeling I will be doing what I did today and watching the movie shortly before we record so we can get fresh impressions. (laughs) I'm keeping it 100% real with you guys. Well, that's interesting because, like I told you, uh, I watched this movie twice in my preparation for it. Once uh, with a couple friends of mine who know a lot about Twilight because I really want to – my research for this is going to be a lot more social. Uh, I want to ask some people um, who are big fans of it about it, um, see if they can lend a different sort of lens and perspective than we might be able to. Uh, We might have uh, someone on one or two times if if it's a particularly rough movie to get through, like New New Moon, for example. Um, But – what I think the benefit of having that unique perspective is, is that I found myself uh, learning a lot more about what this particular audience who really likes this movie in particular, not the whole franchise, but Twilight specifically as mm-hmm. a like cult film, like as now it's getting of the age where people that like when it came out when we were younger, like this came out in yes. 20, uh, 2008. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we were pretty young, but like this was around the time that like we were the target demographic. But now that we're all becoming adults, we're looking back and going, 
that movie was kind of bad. But <laughs> they are doing it in a way that's kind of like how you and I would watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, mm-hmm. where it's a movie that's kind of... It's it's bad, uh, and the acting is not good sometimes. But because those choices are made, it kind of makes mm. it better. And unlike Silent Night, Deadly Night, Twilight has the fortunate pillar instead of a crutch to lean on, in that it's a book adaptation or it's a it's a movie mm. adaptation of a young adult novel. And this movie specifically was supposed to be very accurate to the book, which is one of the reasons why some of the dialogue seems like. Something a person wouldn't actually say. Mm-hmm. How was your experience, uh, exposure, rather, uh, hearing some of these uh, choice cuts? I'm sure we'll get into them as we go, but uh, what was your impression of that? So, okay, I guess I'm just going to lead with my impression of this movie as a whole. Because, again, I had, like, seen, like, maybe 30-second clips of this movie at one point or another, because there was no way in 2008 to not hear the I know what you are, say it (laughs) section, because it was everywhere. And, like, everybody knew about the, like, weird thunder baseball scene. Oh, Um, (laughs) Which, I'll be honest. You mean the best scene in the movie? (laughs) It's way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be when I was going into this movie. I love that. I thought it was going to be one of the stupidest things, and it ended up being so entertaining. But you're uh, right. It is one of the stupidest things. However, <laughs> it is still good. <laughs> it does both. Um, exactly. And yeah, like there's very much a choice aesthetic throughout this entire movie, which feels very 2008 looking back exactly. on it, which is it's not exactly a bad thing. Right. <laughs> like it was very much a deliberate choice. Because um, I do want to mention, the director of this movie um, went on after this to direct the Red Riding Hood, like, horror-adjacent movie with Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also went on to direct a couple episodes of uh, This Is Us and Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities last year. Yeah. So, like, they've been all over the place. And so... Yes, it's- and this cast, I know we're going to get into it, oh, but why, <laughs> why is everyone from 2008 and continuing onward in this movie? Yeah, I think you hit on something very uh, salient with this movie lives and breathes 2008. And I feel mm-hmm. like it almost needs to be protected as like a cultural icon because of that. And I, I don't mean to sound like condescending. But you're right. Just in in terms of the source material, where it came from, uh, the people involved making this movie, uh, that's Catherine Hardwick who directed and Melissa Rosenberg who wrote it um, and produced and and wrote all of the Twilight movies going forward. Um, And the cast, just the whole vibe of the movie is supposed to put you in what is now a very unfamiliar, very different time period. (laughs) It's kind of a like mid two thousands period piece in that like you this movie does not work in a different time. It has right. to be specifically two thousand eight <laughs> for this movie to work. And I don't mean like, like watching it, I mean like in terms of the characters' actions. It has like, to be that specific time. They made four more of these. Like, I know they were very popular books, but like even though they were, it was a very popular movie. Like, 
critics saw this and studios saw this and I guarantee didn't think of it very highly. I know the audience mm-hmm. might have liked it, but like they had to commit all of these extra like they, they committed to four more of them. So the fact that this worked so well in such a very specific period of time was able to catapult itself into like actually being able to like I don't want to say redeem itself because it didn't really like demean itself in the first place, but it it kind of evolved and set itself above uh, where I feel like a lot of people figured that it would kind of come to rest in terms <laughs> of artistically. Well, and this was during the height of um, book to film adaptations. They were all the rage. Harry Potter had been very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, Aragon had faltered. Um, and this was pre-Hunger Games, Divergent, and all the like dystopian movies, which is when we started to see some of them fizzle out. Like The Divergent movies started fairly strong and then fizzled out before it could even reach its conclusion. This was in the height where like they could get it Get, get enough of a fan base to warrant all these movies. Because, like, it was made on a budget of $37 million and earned over $400 million in the box That's office. That's insane! That's so much money! <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, it's, you're right, though. There's it's like crazy. A, there's, like, a whole... Uh, like, this was right in the middle of that boom uh, for young adult adaptations. But unlike Divergent that fizzled out... Um, I don't know. I don't really know why I didn't really watch those movies or read those books. Nobody like, did. Hunger that's Game, why. Well, <laughs> maybe that was it. <laughs> but like with the Hunger Games going on around the same time, it was like that was an adaptation that got the whole series. But unlike Twilight, they stuck too much to the books, and I feel mm-hmm. like the movies kind of suffered for that because the last book, objectively speaking, is not entertaining very much, and the movies tried really hard, but you just can't make a really bad ending to a book good. We've seen it, like, four times now. That's just how it goes. But with this, because they took liberties... I I don't know how many liberties they took. I don't even know how true that is that I said that. Mm -hmm. Just what I've heard. But maybe because they took these liberties, as it went on, it was able to, like, get better in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time it ended, it was like, oh, shit, this is pretty good, actually. Well, and I will say, um, I'm doing my little bit of research now, so I don't completely give up my position, but um, <laughs> this movie, this, the first movie in particular, was in development for three years with um, MTV Films. Um, really? With a, with a script that was very different um, from the novel, and essentially Stephanie Meyer's like, hey, um, can we please just do what I wrote? And then Summit <laughs> Entertainment was like, yeah, we can if you give it to us instead of MTV. And so Stephanie yeah. Myers was like, okay. And they managed to write it right before the um, writer's strike of 2007, yep. 2008. Yeah. And so it was able to film in 2008 and release in the same year. Because um, it only took like a little over a month to film the whole thing. So they still had like five months before the movie was going to release for editing. Because... There's some editing in this movie. Uh. Bro, is there some editing in this movie? <laughs> is this movie... Remember, okay, so we just talked about Smile and, like, what a masterclass that is in terms of, like, cinematography and, like, mm-hmm. uh, direction of photography. And now there's this one, which is, like, through no fault of its own, has none of those. Yes. 
Yeah. And again, we're not like shitting on the no. movie to shit on it. We're, no, 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 we're no. We, we mean that so with peace and love. <laughs> yes, this right, is, right, this right, is right. not a bad thing. No, no, no. Of course not. And and I'm not even going to say that the writing is like is bad because it's a bad adaptation. Because the person that wrote this movie, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, is a hell of a show writer. She mm-hmm. is the like creator of Jessica Jones. Uh, she went on to write all of the Twilight movies before she did that. Uh, she was a co-executive producer and a consulting producer on the latter half of Dexter. Um, she also did the same thing on Birds of Prey and The O.C., which we've covered a couple of times back with our Kevin Williamson days, where a lot of the people mm-hmm. from those movies were coming from. So this is somebody that, from a writing perspective, knows the audience that they're trying to write for in this particular time period and how to adapt the albeit very flowery, dramatic prose of the books to a, you know, a more modern 2008 post, you know, 2000s millennium world. And then Mm -hmm. she continued to do that, like, throughout the movies and then after the fact. So, like, she's a badass. So it's not, like, the movie is not, like, I feel like it's almost not bad on purpose. It's just, like, listen... Some people are coming for the flowery nature of the writing. If we don't put it in the movie, people are going to be upset. So let's just mm-hmm. do it. And then when we keep making more of these, we'll see what we can do about that. Yeah. Well, and I do want to point out something that I don't think is very um, familiar to most people in the 2000s. In that the Twilight movies all released within a year of each other. It was 2008 to 2012 every year, respectively. Um, yeah. Like, they were so successful that they just couldn't stop the train until it was done. Yeah. I mean, there was really nothing else Go. I mean, t- Harry Potter, yeah, but, like, Twilight. Like, Harry like, Potter was finishing up, but the, if that you, Twilight like, <laughs> were the things for young adults. Yeah, like, if you weren't, um, like, a, like, a preteen or a teenager during this time, it really cannot be stated how much... Twilight like really took over everything, because um, it was two thousand eight. The amount of Team Edward and Team Jacob shirts, which we'll get into later, because that's not Whoa, in this movie. We're gonna get but, into oh my that, God. Danny. You and I are gonna have a talk, a very serious talk. Two adult <laughs> men are gonna talk about the pros and cons of each of these men because we have to, because it's Twilight. Because <laughs> unfortunately. As cool of a movie as Twilight is on its surface, I, 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 this is very strange, but like I'm almost like the second time I watched it, I looked at it from like Edward's perspective, and to me it was like, holy shit, this is a really interesting story. Well, but unfortunately, you know just like the Hunger Games, it's from it's from a protagonist who's like, nah, I'm not going to focus too much on the awesome shit that's happening, I'm going to focus on this other thing. What's interesting is Stephanie Meyer did write essentially the first book from Edward's perspective again and re-release yes, it. Yes, that's true. Maguire just told me about that. I would be so interested to read it. I'm. I don't think I'm going to. But I think I, it would be so interesting <laughs> to know what happened. I mean, I might. I don't know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking I'm at the of, mercy of uh, where the winds take me. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the writing of this movie, I was also told, again, I cannot substantiate this claim, but I've heard it from a couple sources. Um, So Twilight, written by Stephanie Meyer, the the books, of course, uh, started out apparently as a My Chemical Romance fan fiction. 
in which uh, the entire story of Twilight was pretty much the same, except that instead of Edward Cullen, it was uh, singer Gerard Way uh, as a vampire. Uh, and a lot of the things that changed were basically just the names. Uh, and to go from that type of... Like, that's the 2008 speaking. Like, that sort of... Is emo the right term? I don't know if I classified yes. Twilight as emo, but like, sure, for the for the sake of but argument, it was that yeah. era. They're 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 very close cousins at the very least. But yeah, it's definitely in that era. So like, this is tied intrinsically with that, and we'll see throughout these movies, just like with the Saw franchise, just like with the Resident Evil franchise, and just like with the Underworld franchise, this is a franchise that takes a musical genre and sticks with it as it evolves. So mm-hmm. we're getting a wide berth of pop music because this movie came out right at the end of like the early twenty ten of the early two thousands and in the beginning mm-hmm. of the twenty tens when pop music like flipped. I don't know. It's yeah. a weird like music thing that like I, <laughs> it's just cool that like Twilight just happened in the sweet spot where all of these all of this music came out and was just in this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, do you want to start getting into this? <laughs> Yeah, let's get into this movie, because right. it even starts off wild. Does uh, it? Because we are immediately thrown into the shoes of Bella Swan, um, played by, as everyone knows, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, um, Kristen Stewart, who's been on the podcast before in Underwater. In Underwater. Which isn't that weird that like that's the credit we've got for her when we're talking about Twilight? That is a little weird. <laughs> Um, but so we're immediately thrown into like her life kind of in, uh, discombobulation because she's having to move away from her mom and go live with her dad for a while who lives in, um, Washington state where she's coming from Phoenix, Arizona, um, because her mom's new husband is a, um, not amateur baseball player, uh, minor league, that's the minor league league baseball baseball player. And so he's going off to spring training. I guess in Florida. I didn't realize that's where all the spring training was. Or maybe he's playing in Florida. I don't know. Anyway. Well, here's, um, here's the thing. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with Twilight. But she does <laughs> know that they're living in Jacksonville right now. Because that's where he's going to be playing baseball. So that's Jacksonville true. is home at the time to the minor league baseball team, the Jacksonville Suns. That, as noted on Roundtable, at some point becomes the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. So Bella's stepdad plays for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Amazing. Oh but yeah, she's got to go live. She's got to go live in rural Washington, which is like we just covered yeah, in it with a green town room. called Forks. <laughs> What's wrong with Forks? Um, I do want to also mention because this did come up when I did a little bit of due diligence. Apparently, um, the book Twilight was originally just going to be called Forks, and then the publisher was like, like begged Stephanie Meyer to come up with a different title. <laughs> I mean, like, could Forks, you imagine? I'm sure. I don't know. I don't hate it, but yeah, Twilight's supremely better. Mm-hmm. But because Twilight uh, at least Forks, has mystery. Forks makes me think it's gonna be like a behind-the-scenes expose on "Be Our Guest" from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, <laughs> but. 
I mean, Twilight also has the um, kind of connotation of being associated with vampires, who, as mm-hmm. we know from pretty much every other vampire lore, cannot go out into the sun because it is fatal. Uh, yes. The name and conventions of all of the Twilight series all have something to do with darkness or there being an ab- there being the absence of sun. Or um, the moon. In this, yes, or the moon. In this case, though, it's interesting that uh, you set the story in rural Washington because um, it provides a lot of several interesting new perks for vampire stories. There's woods that vampires can hunt in, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's easy for people to like disappear. Um, it also is cloudy and rains a lot of the time, so theoretically, if vampires of like avoid the sun, they can move around a lot easier, which uh, these vampires do. Which we'll get into the differences vampire-wise later. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I mean that positively because we just always have to do that. We just always yes. have to talk about like the differences in lore. Well, yeah, because um, every time vampires come up, there's something new or different. There's always it. some there new stuff. It's and- very rarely to vampire stories that take the exact exact same kinds of vampires right there's always like you know stripes of similarities between them uh sometimes Mm -hmm. it's interesting depending on the type of story you're telling what stripes you're going to lean into and i think that's one of twilight's strengths with its vampires is that it crafts what they can do and what they are in with the rest of the story to make, like, their very nature is interesting enough to warrant, like, further investigation. Which is what's Mm -hmm. really cool. They're not just, like, very simple, like, this is what they do, boom, that's it. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more to them. Um, So, Washington in itself is, uh, it seems pretty boring. Um, Bella is sick of it immediately. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's a tough... She's a tough nut to crack. Uh, well, it, it takes a lot to engage her with dad. her. Dude, okay, uh, this is a listen. This this podcast is a Charlie Swan positive podcast. I love Charlie so much. <laughs> he's great because he's trying so hard, and you can tell. Because like immediately, like he's also like chief of police or like sheriff or something. He's the sheriff, yes, uh, the chief, yeah. And so like. He's he's busy with his police work, but he also hasn't, like, housed Bella since she was, like, a little kid. And so yeah. she, he's just trying to pull out, like, all the stops to be a good dad while she's staying with him. Because he's also sad because he was left by the rest of his family. Um, it's also such a bummer to w- note that, like, everyone in town knows that, too. Like, everyone yeah. knows his history. Yeah, which is just, like, that can't be fun to live in all the time either, especially when you're by yourself and everyone's just like, ah, there's that loner sheriff guy. Yeah, that's why, like, whenever he shows up with Bella anywhere, everyone's just like, oh, wow, like, this is great. Your dad clearly needed somebody. And I'm like, can we talk about how sad Charlie is? Like, someone help him. Um, But then, just as Bella's getting used to town again... um, there's somebody at the door to greet her because they haven't seen them in many, many moons. And that's Billy. <laughs> um, and with his su- and with Billy's son, Jacob, who yeah, we will Billy get to and know Jacob very Black. well. Yeah, especially in the next movie. But that's another interesting thing about uh, this area in Washington. Because of its location kind of away from any major cities, it's up near... Uh, where a lot of Native American reservations are. So the blacks mm-hmm. are a part... I can't... 
recall the name, but they're part of the local tribe. Um, uh, the, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. It's like it's a... Quileut? Yes, Quileut, I think, is the name of it. I think that's how you pronounce it? So they're they're like tied in with the with the history of the town for a long time, and like Billy and Charlie have been friends for years, um, because you know the tribe has their own like government on their reservations, and so when things mm-hmm. happen in the area, you know their go to like liaison is the sheriff. So it kind of behooves yeah. Charlie to befriend them, and as such, Jacob just kind of grew up around Bella because they're the same age. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, the first thing he says is, I don't know if you remember me, but when we were little, we would make mud pies together. Oh, man. And she immediately <laughs> is also like, yeah, I do remember that. And I'm just like, ooh, history. History. I mean, it's history not History versus history. mystery. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Ooh. Damn, Danny. This is, we're, we're getting some good terms already. <laughs> I'm ready. So Jacob, Jacob, unfortunately, is not given much attention in this movie um he shows up a l- every so often uh kind of just to help bella along as she discovers what the deal with the town is and their history with the cullens especially uh the quileute's mm-hmm. history with the cullens um but he will become a much more uh central character in the next movie and then throughout the rest of the franchise okay hold on i do have to mention something that just came into my head which i know i'm jumping ahead a lot but near the end of the movie was I the only one who was weirded out that, like, he shows up to prom just to be like, hey, my dad paid me to come tell you to break up with your boyfriend, and then skedaddles? Well, yeah. Like, I don't understand why they needed to have him, like, get paid to do that, because, like, he's obviously already, like, kind of interested. He could yeah, have he's just, interested like, done in that her. on his own. Because he I also knows more... about the Cullens. He does, but he, I think it beca- one of the th- the good things about Jacob uh, in relation to... We're already going to do this, I guess. One of the good pros about Jacob that is a direct con of Edwards is that Jacob has a lot more respect for boundaries. Uh, so it's really not his business who she hangs out with. He kind of understands that and wants to respect that for her. But his mm. dad is the one that's like, dude, she really needs to get away from them. Can, like, please, can you just do it? Um, okay. or, I mean, he, he, he could have made that whole part up and been like, Hey, you know, I'm actually interested in you, but like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm telling you what to do. Uh, but yeah, so my dad paid me about it. Um, okay. but yeah, I mean, he, he's just, you're right. Like he's concerned about her. Cause yeah, he cares about her and he's like, I think the Collins are going to kill you. Maybe like, don't do that. But he's not, mm-hmm. you know, jumping ahead. He's not, not yet. <laughs> he's not doing that yet. Um, yeah, but yeah, his, his kind of approach to it this time is very much like, I'll, you know, I'm going to respect your boundaries because he doesn't go to school with her either. He goes to school on the reservation, so he doesn't see her That's very true. often. Um, speaking of Bella's high school, um, I can't, it's so funny that there's like twilight is happening and then every time Bella's at school, it's like there's a whole other movie that's happening on the side that's like that doesn't know that Twilight's happening at the same it's like time. Washington perks of being a wallflower is happening <laughs> on the side Literally. of Twilight. Literally, that's exactly what's happening. And like you can see <laughs> the divide because mm-hmm. um Bella's high school is like any high school movie from the early to mid two thousands. It's like all of her friends are a mix of people that, like, are in movies like that that came out around the same time. 
Uh, it threw me off so hard to see Anna Kendrick walk into this movie. Yes, Anna Kendrick, Before of she course, was like is Anna in this. Kendrick. Mm-hmm, that's true. Like, this uh, was we still, both... like, early for her, right? <laughs> oh, yes, this was one of the big start things for her, because this was before Pitch Perfect. Well, and even before uh, Scott Pilgrim. That, too, that's true. It's, like, a year or two before that. Mm-hmm. So, we get, like, yeah, Anna Kendrick is there, uh, Gregory Tyree Boyce, Mel- Michael Welch, and, um... God, I can't remember her other friend's name that they go uh, prom dress shopping with. But, like, all of them are just, like, they would be in anything else that was a high school movie during this time but that. Yeah, Justin Chan, mm-hmm. who is in the remake of Friday the 13th, he's the stoner dude who gets killed in the oh, shed. yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's a wild cast in this movie. Oh, we're not even... We're not even at the at the peak of it just yet. Well, yeah, but it yeah, just that keeps going. <laughs> but it's it's very cool because every one of her friends at school also seem like the way they interact with Bella, who like I'm gonna say it, Bella's a chronically unlikable person. Uh and every one of the people that she trips into befriending on accident her first day of school look like somebody told them right before they showed up that if they weren't going to make friends with Bella Swan, someone was going to, like, shoot their family. Because they all look so <laughs> terrified to, like, engage with her. Mm-hmm. Like, they treat her like she's from another planet. I'm like, are you guys okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so she's having but a normal day at high Twilight. school. Oh, yeah, because it's uh, Twilight, we have to have Bella seem very appealing and desirable well, by everybody. And we meet... The Cullens. Oh yeah, like, this is when the the, the high weird, school like, movie plastics ends. Vibe, but like instead of them being the popular ones, they're the weird ones known by the whole school. Oh. <laughs> and they're, I can't get over that one of them is like immediately like I think it's weird that they're all for one adopted and for two, two of them seem to be hooking up. Which, oh, yes, not just two of them. <laughs> So, um, well, I yeah, remember it, them specifically it's... pointing out two of them, but I could not tell you which two it was because it, could oh, we're have about been to get into it. them because this is important. Um, but yeah, they walk in to this otherwise normal cafeteria with normal people who have normal lives and seem like they could like be fleshed out and normal, like they could be normal people. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if you had that happening and then a bunch of anime characters walked in, like they just <laughs> are so clearly di- like. It's like in any anime, like, the, the meme of, like, when you can tell who the main character is. Mm-hmm. Like, this is that. Like, they're all dressed <laughs> very, like, strikingly. They're all, like, clearly super pale looking. Um, they all walk in, like, again, like, they're aliens. Uh, everyone just kind of stares at them. And is like, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. Cullens. They're weird. And they are weird, because you're right. Um, they are four... It's four or five. There's five of them. Five... five uh, Se- uh, high school seniors who are all adopted by the local doctor, uh, Carlisle. Carlisle. And these are all of his children that he's all adopted. And the weird thing, though, is that they all do date each other, which does seem a little strange to people yeah, that don't know that they're vampires and that they're centuries sketch. old. <laughs> it's that's very sketchy. sketchy. But they're just kind of like, yeah, they're just weird or European or something. Everyone just kind of uh, like writes it off as like, yeah, well, you know. What are you, you know gonna how do? The Europeans are, yeah. <laughs> right. 
So um, this is going to be important, at least for me, to just categorize that we know who they are so that, again, no one can yell at us. So the mm-hmm. first people that walk in are Rosalie and Emmett. Uh, Rosalie is the blonde one who looks like she's got a stick up her ass. Um, she's dating Emmett, who is played by Kellen Lutz, who's one of those people that just kind of shows up in everything and kind of plays the same guy who's just like, hey man, I'm just here to have a good time. And he's like kind of like a good himbo type energy. Um, mm-hmm. He was in the remake of Prom Night that we covered like years ago as again, oh, pretty yeah. much the same guy who's dating like the bad guy girl. And he's just like, hey man, I know she could be a bit of a bitch, but like, I'm so sorry. I'm just here to have a good time. He's kind of the same type of character here, and I love him for it. Mm-hmm. Then there's Alice and Jasper. Alice is uh, the short-haired one, and she's dating Jasper, who looks like um, he's really got to be... I'm sorry, I love Jasper, but man, he really looks like he's having a rough time of it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> now that They've I'm all got... about it... <laughs> They've all got a lot of very specific um, things going on with them. They're all very dynamic characters. Um, Again, we'll get into them more as the movie and the series goes on. But the main focus right now is the only one of them that is single, and that is Edward. Edward. Uh, Take it away, Danny. What's Edward's deal? (laughs) So, Edward's the creepy one. Um, Which I know is a bold statement to come out with. But... um, as the movie progresses, he doesn't get less creepy. Bella just gets more okay with it. Um, <laughs> that is a good thing to know. <laughs> I feel like that's because, important. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing to note. Um, and, like, the first thing that happens with Edward is about all of the girls are fawning over him, which I understand. Yeah, from, I mean, like, it's Robert Pattinson. Hair. In 2008. And yes, it's Robert Pattinson. So, like, nobody's complaining. But at yeah, the same time, I love, like, I love Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I don't think anybody has had a conversation with Edward, or if they had, that would have like ruined any of the like appeal <laughs> to him for most people. But Bella isn't most people. No, Bella's looking for something different. I don't know yeah, why she's I'm not like other rom com commercial. You uh, could <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like the first thing that happens because. Bella's here for her first day of school in this new town, and they're just like, uh, I guess we'll sit you here in biology next to this guy, because it's the seat that's open. <laughs> and it's Edward. Okay. <laughs> of course. So, his reaction when he smells her is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Something that I did want to, I did want to note, like, Robert Pattinson uh, was a ve- was a young actor at the time. Uh, bef- prior to Twilight, he had been in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He was Cedric Diggory in that, and that was kind of what got him Twilight. Uh, well, this so, was his first American accented film, and he yeah, didn't get yeah. any training for it. Like he just had to make the most of it. And like, he did a really he good went job. Out of his way to audition for this movie because so really Robert Pattinson. It. Should, it should never be said, Robert Pattinson is an incredible actor. I think he should mm-hmm. always be given credit, even for these movies, um, because just like what we learned about with the prequel trilogy in Star Wars, if you cast young, impressionable actors that are very afraid of being fired from their first break... Like, this is Twilight. Like, uh-huh. if you fuck this up, like, and you're gone, like, bye-bye career. Like, this, you know... 
it's really important that you that you do what you're told and that you nail this. Yeah. So um, that being said, Robert Pattinson has gone on record to say that he fucking hated making this movie because it was yeah. a lot of like, hey, this script is like really bad. Can we like do something with it? And they like wouldn't let him do it, or I don't know, maybe he was just too afraid of like standing up for himself, kind of like Hayden Christensen in you know the first couple Star Wars movies. Okay. So it's not so his fault. This. It's not yeah. It's not Robert Pattinson's fault. There are a lot of scenes of dialogue in this movie between Edward and Bella that wholeheartedly reminded me of the Sand monologue from Attack oh, of the Clones. <laughs> I think it's worse. It's like those. It's like the really cringy parts from from like as good as Revenge of the Sith is. It's like those parts where it's like, "Why are you staring at me?" And he's like, "Cause I'm so in love." And it's like, what, "No one talks like this." <laughs> but yeah, they have a very um, Anakin and Padme relationship at times. Take that as you will. Because I don't mean that as a bad or a good thing. I mean that as a neutral thing, just as a right. It's just a comparison. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, we'll get like, into it, especially as we get into the the next movie. Um, but you can see stripes of it already. The Cullens, especially Edward, um, have some boundary issues. Uh, but <laughs> I, I f- listen. I, I'm not going to talk about how those are red flags. They can be, uh-huh. but I think that it does make them interesting characters for a movie, like, or at least a vampire story, because like the way that they treat Bella specifically and the way that Edward acts towards her, like sometimes it's straight up toxic, but like yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, like for the rest of the Collins, I feel like sometimes you gotta gaslight people into thinking that you're not a vampire when you're trying mm-hmm. to hide. Edward's just bad at it. Because uh, he's <laughs> he's clearly a vampire and he's doing like fuck all to hide it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the way that he, um, I don't know, the way that he kind of reacts to her initially uh, when he smells her, um, he has like a very obvious reaction that something about her like drove him away, and she's like, "Hey, like." What's the deal? So she's kind of left in the dark about this for days, and because she's got nothing else to really occupy her time with, she really fixates on this. Like, what's yeah, the deal with the weird kid? She's just for him to show back up, because he disappears for two days after that. Yeah. And then shows yeah. up with different colored eyes. Well, he she sees him again trying to, to, to drop Bio, which is hilarious, because, like... It's one of those things that, like, anytime Edward is shown next to, like, a normal person, like that lady that works in the administration office, he just so much more looks like an anime character. But I guess that's a good job of how obvious they're supposed to be as vampires. Is like, when you see them next to a normal person, you're like, no, nah, they're uh, clearly a vampire. Yeah, that's not a vampire. That, that's, that's not a person, that's a vampire. Right there. Yeah, like you can tell very clearly. But yeah, with the eyes thing, he's got these different colored eyes when he meets with her the next time, and he's actually willing to like engage with her a little bit more and not mm-hmm. be such like a dickhead. Uh, but, you know, I feel like that's part of the toxicity that everyone always talks about with Edward is because of his inconsistency. Uh, you know, when you're a 17-year-old super weapon and you can't really control how you feel or, you know, what you do... You're not going to... We, we talked about this with... Uh, I don't remember her name from Let Me In. But we talked about it with the little girl oh, vampire yeah, from yeah, Let yeah. Me In. We're like, if they're just... 
they're never going to develop cognitively to like get better coping skills. So their go-to is just going to be like, no, I'm not a vampire. And then the second that you know that they're a vampire, they're like, okay, um, you should run because uh, I'll just kill you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He j- those are his two tools. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and like, it's obvious that he like doesn't let people get close to him. Because he also spends the whole movie being like, I have no control over myself. And I'm just yeah. like, eh, that seems fake, but okay. Well, I think it's just that he's just like any good... Oh, man, I had a whole stupid little thing about it when I was watching it the first time. <laughs> but, uh, like, Edward's like any good um, Prince Zuko-type protagonist, where he's actually just more angry at himself... Uh, and that he's not confident in, in... He's just got a really bad, like, fucked up sense of his identity. So yeah. when you when you put both those things into consideration, like, it, you're not really going to know how to, like, handle yourself around humans, especially humans that you, like, really want to eat, but you can't because you're vegetarian. Yeah. Which also, I laugh at them calling themselves vegetarians. <laughs> they even do, too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do like the under, like the thought behind it, but I'm just like, I mean, technically y'all are vegetarians because you're not eating meat, but, like, that still feels like a bad way to say I eat not people. Yeah, because the, the Cullens very uh, ex- exclusively only drink from animals. They don't well, yeah, drink and, human blood. Like, the whole thing is, vegetarians eat plants. Like, that's what the veggie means. <laughs> Whereas they were they being are fun with it from animals. <laughs> they were being fun with it. <laughs> um, so on the flip side, speaking of vampires, just as Bella starts to have suspicions and doubts about Edward, um, other vampires show up in town, very reminiscent to like if the Thirty Days of Night vampires could speak. Uh, they kind of just roll up into town and start hunting people, uh, and they do it pretty you know they're not dressing up they just yeah they're just like well we're faster and stronger than you so you're just gonna get ripped apart and so bella's dad and the rest of the community is whipped up by like dude some giant animal for lack of a better explanation is killing people out there and it kind of does bring up this like well we know the cullens are vegetarians according to them but like we just know all of these things about Edward and his lack of control, so, like, maybe he is killing other people. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I and mean, we don't we know do, if any but... of the other younger ones are maybe straying away from the pack. That's true. If I had to put money on it, I would say Jasper. He doesn't look like he's holding it together very well. <laughs> um. But these new vampires do give us an opportunity to talk about the new additions uh, of what the what these guys' deal is um, compared to every other type of vampire that we've covered in the past. You mentioned the eye thing. Uh, what was your kind of take on that when you saw the change in eye color? So my understanding of that is that um, their eyes get darker the more hungry they get. So it's just that more that their eyes change. It when like they're running out of fuel, so yeah. like once they eat, then like they're reverted to their usual self. But while they're like, for lack of a better term, uh, de-energized, 
they are they become more animalistic in their physicality. Yeah, I mean the eyes on the uh, the rogue vampires um, that we see—they're red. Uh, the Collins have a red tint to them, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. But Edwards go from like grayish to red to this like weird like hazel type color. Um, I don't recall. I think they do explain more about the eyes later. Um, okay. But at least right now, yeah, I'm not sure what their deal is. Um, these vampires also, they don't sleep during the day or, or come out at night. They just don't sleep, period. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting, except that we find out that some of them use that time to just watch people when they're asleep, which is very yeah, scary. Word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what else is he going to do? <laughs> Anything else. You're right. So, You're okay, right. So this is also, You're right. This is another thing that's different, because, like, as I've mentioned before, my go-to rules of vampirism always stem from my childhood love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. Right. Um, it's concerning when a non-sleeping entity can enter your house without needing to be invited. Um, right, like they don't need concerning. the invitation. Hmm? I said, yeah, they don't need the invitation. So, yeah, yeah. Like, he can just do that. <laughs> Yeah, he can just do whatever he wants, and so can any bad vampires, which will also become a major problem. Yeah, it's like, a at huge least problem. In Buffy, again, one of my side tangents, we're going to get a lot of these during <laughs> Twilight. I, I apologize, but also, no, I don't. Um, in Buffy, <laughs> at least when uh, Buffy's mom is put in peril by Spike when he's still, like, raw, raw evil in the beginning... Um, he has to, like, be smart and manipulative about being let inside. Um, these vampires could just go fuck up your family for shits and gigs. And that is terrifying. So I, I think that it's kind of interesting that you note the Buffy vampires, too, because I feel like the rogue vampires... So if we're, we're going to be getting into them actually, like, impacting the story pretty soon, so we'll just go ahead and name them. Uh, so there's three of them. Uh, the female one is Victoria, the uh, ponytail gentleman is James, and the black gentleman with the dreads is Laurent. Um, Victoria and James are a mating couple. Um, mm-hmm. We see from at least the Cullens that that's an important thing in like vampire uh, social behaviors. Um, and like it's something that they take very seriously. Uh, so mm-hmm. if you were to lose a mate, uh, that's like worse than losing your family. Um, yeah. So the two of them are mating, and Laurent is kind of just hanging out with them because it's very unusual for vampires to be alone. Um, so you got a third they usually wheel stick, They u- yes, they usually stick to clans, and clans can even be as big as like two. Um, mm-hmm. So you normally never see a, a lone vampire; they're stronger together. And to the Collins, that's a very strange thing because clans are not normally that large. Um, so yeah, our poor boy Laurent is kind of just hanging out with these guys who are clearly way more into killing and harming and getting oh, fear yeah. from humans well, than uh, like, he is. <laughs> the fact that they mentioned that James is like the most ideal tracker vampire. Yeah, he like is also he loves a to terrifying hunt thing. Like, yeah, there's so much in this in this movie that I feel like is terrifying when you think about any implications of it. Like, oh yeah. yeah, like he can just like. He can follow your scent for the past, like, decade and a half, if he needed to, to find where you've been. 
That's really like that's how he knows about the old ballet studio. Yeah, like that's terrifying. Like that's how good their their sense their enhanced senses are. So I feel like when this movie came out, and even still to this day, the vampires from Twilight is kind of like a erroneous term to talk about like shitty, not as good vampires. And normally, what people bring up is the fact that in the sunlight they don't die; their skin sparkles. So think about this for a fucking second, if you will. These vampires do not have any other weaknesses. The sun does not kill them. It just makes them shiny, so you can see them in public. Even Mm -hmm. if you can see them, good luck trying to kill them, because you need super strength to rip all of their limbs off and burn them. And burn them. And if you're a human being, like, good luck even trying to get that far. So, like, in a way, you're right. Like, because... Well, not in a way, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, That it's way scarier... To see them as, like, completely invincible super predators. That it mm-hmm. seems like the only things that can kill them are other vampires and whatever other supernatural entities are out there. Yeah. So if one gets on your tail and you're a human, like... Like, yeah, that's why Edward's like, you need to leave the country immediately. <laughs> mm. Um, we're jumping ahead with that, but those rogue vampires, they have a lot more, like, Buffy-esque qualities, I felt like, when I was watching them, particularly James, because he kind of looked like Spike, because he was blonde. He reminds me a lot of one of the, like, really early, like, mini big bad vampires, and I honestly couldn't tell you which one, but he just has the vibe of, like, a mini boss in a video game. A mini boss, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, it's more intense than, like, your average enemy, but, like, they're going to give you an extra, like, helping of whoop-ass before you can defeat them. Yeah. Because, like, he's, (laughs) again, he's frightening, like, in concept. Because, like, even his own friend is like, yeah, we, I don't really like to think about what all he does, but, like, now that he's actively targeting someone again, um, y'all need to, like, move on this. Fast. Listen, I'm just not gonna get involved with this because uh, it's not my <laughs> business, and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. But I th- another thing, a couple another couple things to note about these vampires: um, their bites are also venomous. So if they were to bite a human being, uh, it would kill them. Um, mm-hmm. So in order to turn a human, you would need to bite them and then like. I think drain them of blood or something like it, it's a thing you need to be able to do uh that requires like a lot of like effort so the bites for vampires are not a means of turning it's more like an act a, another means of like attack and defense yeah because <coughs> that's something i was a little confused on with this first watch because again i'm gonna compare a lot of things to how buffy does it because that's my most well-known but, like, in that, you get turned uh, by drinking a vampire's blood and them drinking some of yours. It's like a bonding thing, if memory serves. It's, it's been a little bit. It may just be that you have to fight them. Um, but, like, it's a part of a thing where, like, you have to ingest some of their vampiric blood and they have to ingest some of yours to, like, bond the mortal coil with the immortal coil, I think. So, like, the fact that this one doesn't really seem to just have to do with the biting and the fact that their bites are venomous. Cause like the fact that she starts to say that her hand is on fire after her wrist was bitten. Yeah. Again, it just seems like it's a very not 
ineffective way to kill someone because it's definitely just a more torturous death than your average yeah. vampire who just like sucks the blood out of somebody. It's probably a lot more, again, like if you get caught, you can bite and it will get you away from them and then they'll die very soon after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while these vampires are doing a lot of moving and shit, oh, and of course, uh, the mutant abilities, um, which are, uh, we'll get more into later. Um, but yeah, sometimes vampires have straight up mutant powers, uh, uh like yeah. Edward These can, ones... uh, read minds. And he's super fast and super strong. They're all fast and strong. He's just like exceptionally fast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, no, uh, but, but like, like his, big... I also, his choice of running fast with Bella on his back is just a weird choice. <laughs> what what like. would you do? It's a well, it's just a really intense piggyback ride where I feel like it would be more fun to do it like with the like, you know how you have to hold someone like, okay, follow me here. Yes. When someone gets married and like the tradition is to like carry the bride across the threshold, that yes. kind of carry I think would be more fun with super strength. What if he strength, trips and falls and lands on her and then she's dead? I mean, sure but that's still a risk when you're running piggyback style through the trees plus you can't be climbing trees when you're holding somebody it's easier if they're on your back then you can climb up trees really fast i suppose like spider-man because edward cullen is basically (laughs) spider-man he's like peter parker (laughs) at at high school and uh just like spider-man um he's uh one of the reasons that Belden begins to understand, like, I think you're a vampire, is that he uh, saves her from being killed in a car accident. Um, yeah. Which is why he'd be kind of a poor Spider-Man, because he'd blow his cover in, like, a second. Oh, yeah. And well, even and, when Oh, my she- God, can I just mention, my favorite thing that came out of that almost car wreck is when um, Mr. Swan comes over and is like, I'll have your license for this. Yeah, this poor guy that was just like, I man, I tried to stop. I'm so sorry. I'm glad that somebody stopped my car. But mm-hmm. yeah, Chief Swan's like, you're going to jail, son. Yeah. But she even says, like, later on when she, uh, he's when she confronts him about the whole thing, she's like, I've even considered radioactive spiders. And I'm like, oh, shit. So you've, you've thought about it. So we've read Spider-Man in this universe. Good, good. Oh, of course. Uh, so, well, and it's evident that even if she does read Spider-Man, she hasn't read about vampires before, because in order for her to, like, learn about what vampires are, she has to learn it from a a vague, uh, Native American legend, and then she pieces it together from the internet, where they use every other word but vampire. And a book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she orders this, like, not theoretical book, but, like, this old myth book about the different, like entities because jacob was like yeah the cullens aren't allowed on the reservation because like we have a bad feeling about them and they have a bad feeling about us so we just kind of don't talk to each other yeah well and he referenced that his tribe knows about the cullens and has known about them for centuries things like that that they called cold ones because a big tell about these vampires is that they are freezing to the touch. Like, they do feel mm-hmm. absolutely no warmth. So, 
going through that legend, like the Native American legend, she's able to deduce that Edward and the Collins are probably vampires. Um, but before she can confront him about it all the way, um, Edward's still trying to like tell her, like, no, 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 it's it's um, n- nothing happened. I'm uh, not a vampire. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. And then when he shows up uh, to almost kill a bunch of dudes that attacked her, he's mm. like, no, I heard what they were thinking. And she's like, listen, I need you to, like, give me some answers here. You can read yeah. minds. Like, what the, that alone, like, tell me about that. Then you got this super strength thing. Like, what's going on here? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, And then I she finally pieces that, it together and has that right. scene in the woods that everyone, I think, knows. Yeah. Well, and it's it's quite special that you know when Edward reveals that he can read minds, it's that's a one big thing. But then the even bigger thing is that he can't read Bella's mind. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the big things about her when he first met her is that he realized that he couldn't read her mind. And not only that, but she smells really good. So he's like, "Listen, what's going on here?" Uh, yeah. You some kind of witch? Like, what's going on? <laughs> what's all this that's happening? Witches. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's witches in this universe, but, um... There's I'll definitely werewolves. I'll have to let you know as I continue watching the movie. Yeah, there's definitely werewolves. Because uh, the Quaaludes, uh, Jacob says, were descended from wolves. Uh, or some mm-hmm. kind of skin-changing creature. Uh, and specifically the Cullens have been around, uh, this land for a long time, but they've made a pact to keep their distance to protect each other's existences. Mm -hmm. So there are sort, there aren't any in this movie, but there will be werewolves of a sort to come. Yes. And they don't like the vampires and the vampires don't like the wolves it's a it's a it's a very similar uh, underworld esque lore uh, that the Twilight verse has uh, that we'll, well get into as the movies go on. Much like Underworld, we're gonna get a Michael Sheen later on. Oh yes, we're gonna get into Michael Sheen later on too. Um, so on a slightly more interesting note on the Cullen side, uh, when the the rogue vampires continue to kill people. Uh, they kill one of uh, Charlie's friends. So mm-hmm. uh, Edward and Bella go to meet at this station. Um, Carlisle is also there. Um, you know, she, Bella asks him what's going on. She's like, yeah, there's an animal attack. And, like, he clearly knows that there are vampires killing people in town. And it's cool because mm-hmm. you can see him look at Edward and be like, read my mind. Like, know what's actually going on. So it's really cool yeah. that, like there's all of this stuff happening again. Like when I watch this movie and I think about it from Edward's perspective, like he's got to be feeling all sorts of pressure now that he's like, dude, I should have just like not said anything. Cause now she's going to think it's me or she's going to think it's one of my family members. And like, I don't want to kill her. I don't want to risk mm-hmm. this. So he's weighing a lot of these, uh, you know, he, he put himself in this boat, but you know, like all of these, like, avalanching type consequences that he had of continuing to engage with Bella despite himself. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, this whole movie puts Edward in very strange positions of both trying to keep Bella in the dark about as much as possible, but also trying to protect her from as much as possible, which I feel like is a very fine tightrope to be walking if you're Edward. Yeah. 
it's almost not fair to have all these arbitrary rules and boundaries that can change in an instant without, like, letting somebody know what's going on. And again, mm-hmm. because he's got this, like, big, uh, like, Prince Zuko-type negative self-image, he's got a really bad dissonance of who he is. So he's not really going to trust her with all of this because he's, like, in a way she'll be so repulsed that she won't want to keep going. Yeah. Which, ah, yeah, that's doubtful. That's dubious, but sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but in a strike, we've mentioned this before, but, uh, Bella doesn't do herself any favors either because just after she learns that Edward's a vampire and yes, knows that he's not going to kill her. Um, personally, I think it's way too early for her to meet his family. Uh, especially granted that they're all vampires. Yeah. This may be a little too thick. And then it might also be a little too early for the Cullens themselves to be, like, this into Bella. Like, again, boundary issues. You know what I mean? They immediately are, like, making a giant feast of Italian food because they're just just off the name. They're like, her name's Bella, right? She's got to be Italian. I hope she likes Italian (laughs) food. Okay, so, like, as soon as I'm like, oh, man, they're kind of, like, toxic themselves... Then I'm like, because like vampires don't eat. Like we've covered that mm-hmm. with let it, let me in that they just don't ever eat anything but blood. So the fact that they're making her dinner, it's it's like we're having a human over. Humans eat. Let's yeah. make them food. And she comes in and she's like, yeah, well I already like ate because I figured that like vampires don't have to eat dinner, so I ate dinner beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's just all sorts of awkward, and I'm like, aw. They're kind of cute, though, that <laughs> they're like, oh, well, we I just love, made you food. <laughs> I love that Carlisle's like, oh, it was a great chance to finally use the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're all so funny. They're like, they're all so just cheeky and fun, except for Rosalie. Uh, but <laughs> the rest of them are kind of good, like, good-natured about all of this. Well, and apparently, um, I think it's Rosalie. Rosalie's the one who breaks the bowl, right? Yes, yeah, that's her. Um. Apparently, when they filmed that, she, like, accidentally cut her hand, and so she was in gloves for the rest of that scene. I did wonder why she was wearing gloves, just out of nowhere. Because it did seem to tie into House, uh, Haunting of Hill House, because uh, es- Esme, who's the mom in this, uh, mm-hmm. is surely from ha- the Haunting of Hill House. That took me too long to figure out when I was watching the movie today. It, I, I was just staring at her face. For like thirty <laughs> seconds before I was like, "That's it. That's where I know her from." Yeah. Ah, what a cast. So, their way of I don't know. They're very much accepting of uh, Edward deciding to start a relationship with a human. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody, more or less, except Rosalie, who is very insistent that it's a very terrible idea because. By bringing in a human and trusting her with their existence, not only are they risking exposure, but also, and it's kind of vaguely alluded to in this movie, but will be expanded on later, that um, they're liable if something were to happen. Like, if mm-hmm. there were to be some kind of vampire-related issue in town, like rogue vampires killing a bunch of people, and people found out that vampires were a thing, and specifically that the Cullens were vampires, who's it going to look like did it? if uh, mm-hmm. Bella starts putting two and two together. So I do see where she's coming from. Um, but everybody else in the family, I think, does a little bit too much of an overreach to try to be like, no, we're normal. Uh, yeah. Because Bella doesn't seem to give a shit. 
That's true. Because they're also... Like, Rosalie would have a good point if it was anyone but Bella. But Bella's right. just kind of too happy to be there to ever, like, put blame on the Cullens. Well, yeah, I mean, and from the, from the get-go, like, Alice shows up. And because Alice has this sort of mutant ability to see the future... Um, mm-hmm. Or see variations of the future. Um, she's like, yeah, Bella and I are going to be friends. And Bella's like, all right, cool, I trust you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. And um, this is where it's one of my favorite scenes. Because um, Alice is dating Jasper. So she's like, Bella, this is Jasper. And Carlisle makes a point to say that he's their newest, like, aside from, you know, I think. No, yeah, he is their newest uh, addition to their family. So he's been mm-hmm. a vegetarian the shortest amount. Uh, so you can see in his eyes that it's really hard for him to hold back, like, killing Bella. Yeah. And, uh, it's both hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Well, yeah, like, if I was in Bella's shoes, I would maybe take a couple steps away from Jasper at that point. I would also. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's an instance, literally in this same context, that's like, you could cut the tension with a knife, and then you're like, Somebody watch Jasper. This is probably not going to end well. <laughs> uh, but despite how now the cops are starting to get on to the fact that they're, um, that there's something up with these rogue vampires, um, the tensions are getting pretty high between the different groups, like the Quaaludes and the cops and the Cullens. Um, the Cullens mm-hmm. don't see any problem with the fact that uh, they should take Bella to play baseball with them. And... Uh, this is where Which things they get have really to play interesting. During a thunderstorm, in order right. to hide Why? how loud their uh, hits are, because they're so big and strong. Because <laughs> they, because they're so, they're swinging at a ball so fast with such strength that it sounds like thunder. So here's what's great about this scene: um, as weird and funny and out of place as it is for vampires to just be casually playing baseball, pretending to be humans. It's, like, the only time they can really, like, have fun with their abilities. Yeah. Like, Edward has a note where, like, their their house is very important to them because it's the only place that they can be them. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they don't have any beds in their house. They don't have to hide who they are. Uh, and there's a lot of windows. Like, most of the time when you think about places that vampires live, they're places away from the sun. Now, obviously, they don't die from the sun in this, but mm-hmm. they're not ashamed of who they are. They're trying to promote a very positive, like a pro-vampire positive mindset for their children, their adult children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to live with who they are and to not think of themselves as monsters or things that need to be shunned. Um, so to play unbridled with as much strength and spe- speed as you can exert must be really fun for them. <laughs> I also love Bella just watching and having to, like, ref the game. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's you can't gotta even be a see. home run, right? Like I don't know what's going on, and Esme's just like, "Don't worry, Edward's fast." And, like Rosalie hits it over a mountain, and yeah. uh, Edward goes and catches it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's like the throw out at home, and Rosalie is pissed that Bella calls her out. I mean, I yeah, again, like. The second time I'm watching it through, I'm like, man, I used to think Rosalie sucked, but, like, she's the only one with any degree of sense. Yeah. <laughs> because it is dangerous for them to be associated with this human because, you know, of course, the noise of them playing attracts the three rogue vampires to show up. And they're like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Um, they can't know that you're a human. 
So uh, just hide behind us and like don't speak or like do anything and and uh, use your hair to cover your neck. Yeah, because they can. I guess they can smell you easily with when your neck's exposed. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but it's very imperative that she not be seen because, like, as vampires meet each other, it does seem like you know just passing through ships that pass in the night kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. like. It's, it's easy for them to kind of just like, you know, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, just leave me alone. But as soon as you throw a human into the mix, that can complicate things because it's like vampire politics is like, what do you think about humans? And it's just mm-hmm. better to like not know about it. But having one there like brings it up. And because James is like a psychopath, he really wants to eat her. <laughs> well, yeah, and like there's this really dramatic gust of wind that... Uh, shows Bella's yes. neck, and James immediately he turns around jumps like on that. What's that? He's like, I know that smell anywhere. It's got a human like with you, right? So I can't really forgive uh, Bella for needing to lie uh, to Charlie for leaving now, because um, we've mentioned before now that. <sighs> There's this tracker on her. The Cullens immediately go into damage control where they're like, okay, fuck, 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 fuck. Um, this guy's absolutely going to try to kill you. Now it's our response, just like Rosalie told them, now it's our responsibility to make sure that you don't die, which kind of does mm-hmm. include killing this guy. But if we don't have to, you know, that would be great for reasons that are unknown. But it's up to Bella to tell her father that she needs to leave, but she can't tell him that there's vampires, so she has to fall back on the same tactics that her mom used when she left his ass. Which is so upsetting. And you can see his heart break every single word she says. Dude, that, like, lingering shot on him after she leaves and he just stands there for, like, eight or nine seconds not moving, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, no... And then Edward's just like, it's okay, he'll forgive you. And I'm just like, eh, probably, but it's still gonna hurt for, like, the rest of his life. It is. I'm just like, thinking he's maybe not it's gonna forget he that his... one. He, he won't, but uh, I'm thinking maybe it was because he heard his thoughts. And he was like, mm. you know, she's just mad, she doesn't mean it, like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess. Because once that they've got her away, the Cullens have this idea where they're going to spirit Bella out of town for for a while while they uh, wear her clothes, essentially, to throw James's track off. Um, Except James can see through that because he's the best tracker yeah, out there. He's really good, but they've got Alice who sees preemptively sees him figuring it out so they can tell the others to stop doing that and to meet them at the same place so they've got the numbers to gang up on his ass should he decide to spring a trap for Bella which he does of course because um Bella takes it upon herself to go and meet James by him by herself uh I would have told the Cullens because there's a bunch of them and they seem to have kept you alive so far. <laughs> the reason she doesn't is because James uh, has Bella's mom, or he's with Bella's mom when he makes the call. Yeah. And he's essentially like, if you tell anyone where you're going, I'm going to kill your mom. Yeah. So she isn't supposed to tell any of the Cullens. But yeah. it's not like the Cullens aren't going to figure it out, so she's kind of banking on that. Yeah, you better. she just better hope the Cullens are better at finding her than James is. Yeah. Yeah. 
So as you mentioned before, he's able to track uh, to a, a known location from her past, so he has her meet him at her old ballet studio back in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. She falls for it like a punk. Uh, her mom's not actually there, and James is there, and he's like, I'm just going to like torture the fuck out of you for shit's sake because he's just a bastard like there's really nothing mm-hmm. redeeming about james he's just kind well, yeah, of and not only humans. will he torture her he's gonna film it and show it to edward later right because it's Cause just he's a right bastard him. yeah he's a bastard um so edward of course shows up in time uh he fights james he kind of does do a pretty After good job james of fighting has broken him. bella's leg i do think we need to mention that he did do that and then he did bite her uh, on mm-hmm. the forearm so she's in rough shape. She's now on a time clock. They were, you know, the, because their their fights are venomous. They have a matter of minutes before the the venom kills them. So the rest of the Cullens show up just in time to uh, completely just decimate Jane. Like as soon as two of them show up, like he's just done. Like uh, Jasper, Emmett, and Alice rip him apart and uh, yeah. burn his limbs in the background while uh, Carlisle and uh, and Edward are trying to save Bella and it unfortunately falls to Edward that he has to be the one to suck out the venom from her arm, which is going to be the ultimate test. Right. The ultimate test of his willpower. Um, Because if he can't do it, she'll die. And if he sucks too much, she'll die. And Mm -hmm. uh, Carlisle is there for moral support. When I'm like, Doug, I I feel like you could help out. You could have done this. Your willpower is probably (laughs) kind of strong. You've done this many times. You could have done this. Yeah, like you made all of them. Like, why couldn't Mm -hmm. you have just like done it? Your willpower is great because you've done this five times, six times because he did it with his wife too. Yeah, that's true. Also, this is where I'm going to start deviating uh, as just setting up my own personal perspective uh on these movies um because we're gonna start getting into um edward team edward and team jacob stuff later on but i do just want to say like i feel like this would have been a great time to turn bella uh i do understand that she has a human life and people that will miss her uh but she did almost just get killed and uh Mm. neither she nor edward show i mean edward did show signs of like hey maybe it's a bad idea that we're together because like my existence is going to cause you pain and you're going to age. So maybe it's time that we just don't date. And she's like, I don't care about that. I want to be with you. It doesn't matter. And his hail Mary pass is like, you know, um, can it just be enough to live like a long and happy life? Like he pulls the Arwen and Aragorn thing from Lord of the Rings where it's like, I'm just, I would rather opt to give up my immortality for you because it's so much better to have a fleeting life. But she's not budging on it. She's like, dude, I'm, like, written consent right now to, like, make me into a vampire. Like, the person who would have the biggest problem with it is me, and I'm saying that it's fine. Well, yeah, and, like, even at the prom, she's like, I am ready. Let's do this. Yeah, he's he's like, like, do it, please. And he's just like, no, I'm just going to kiss your neck. I'm going to give you a fake out. And I feel like that caused so much... It set her up for so many more problems. Like, if... Mm -hmm. like. We're gonna get into it as we go through, but like I want you to then just have this like there was a there was a moment here there was a choice that was made that she could go through the rest of the franchise having a vampire's abilities and like stamina and immortality, and um, she chose they well they Edward chose not to do that, 
So mm-hmm. now they're at this kind of strange impasse point in their relationship where she wants to become a vampire. She knows that he won't do it, and he knows that she's not going to rest un- unless he does do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that says that he's scared of commitment or that he's just a little too altruistic that he doesn't want to ruin someone's life. It could go either way. I think he should have turned her. <laughs> That's just me. Well, and especially because at that prom, when they're in the gazebo, um, <laughs> Victoria's just watching them. Yeah, like, how did she get there? there? Why was she there? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know more about that. I want to know why she was following them and just watching them. But also, that smell that spells uh, disaster for the sequels. Bum, bum, well, bum. that's true. Because, like, we just established that, you know, having a mate is a big deal, and killing that mate is, like, an act of war, Jafar. So, it's now Victoria versus the Cullens, and I'm sure that she blames Bella specifically for all of it. So, again, you saved her from one vampire threat, but now you've got another one that you know is out there. Uh, and you're going to leave her human, you're going to leave her vulnerable. It's a bold choice. It is a bold we'll choice. We'll have to wait until need... next week to see how yes. that pans out for our beloved it's, heroes. It's a bold choice, but it 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 means that there's going to be more movies. Yes, because if not, it would have just been wrapped up, and I feel like it would have been fine. Like if it had, if there had only been a one book or movie, and it had ended up with uh, her turning, the story would kind of be over after that. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is the defense for. Him not turning her is like, well, yeah, well, there wouldn't be a story. Now would there? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. So that's yes, Twilight, man. That's the that first, the first the... movie of the series. Yeah, so uh, we're very excited to continue this. I'm very excited to revisit this with you uh, going mm-hmm. into this for your first time. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts about your impressions with where you're at for the franchise given the end of this movie like okay where, do you, where are you at now so i'm not gonna lie i okay this may sound weird but i'm really excited to see what kind of like weird vampire politics are gonna show up in the next movie or i hope it's in the next movie with a scorned lover against an entire family of vampires because I can't imagine that Victoria is going to go in it alone. I imagine she also is going to have like some kind of family warfare. And I know that's just going to cause so much drama. And I know that Jacob's going to show back up and start causing his own sense of drama. So the Cullens are going to be getting like attacked from multiple angles. So I'm very intrigued because it seems like there's going to be this. Ho- this movie was so much of setting up the base of the whole story and now we're going to get to go into so much more of the like drama between different factions and I'm really intrigued for it. I don't know where Bella's going to fit in with like any of it, but I'm so That's intrigued. The <laughs> That's the thing is like every time I think about Twilight, I think about all the stuff you just mentioned and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, and Bella's there too." Yeah. And like that's kind of oh, wow. how I <laughs> I'm very intrigued uh, for how the how these movies are going to continue moving forward. All right, and we're going to do a check-in at the end of each episode. So once we get now that we've got your predictions for the next movie, I want to know 
Currently, Danny, where do you stand? Team Edward or Team Jacob? Your thoughts? I mean, for right now, I have no reason to say Team Jacob because he hasn't really been in the movies yet. And all he's been there is just to like kind of be like, a, hey, I'm here. Um, see you around. Meanwhile, Edward has at least like interacted more than three minutes with Bella. So I got to go Team Edward right now. Interesting, interesting. We'll keep uh, we'll keep a commentary on this as we go through, because um, I feel <laughs> like people are interested to know um, <laughs> where yeah. we're at. Uh, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please let us know your thoughts about Twilight, if you read the books, if you read the books and saw the movies, if you agree disagree or have a lot of disagreements with things that yes. we've said um i can't wait to see how this episode is received i'm very excited to see how the not even this episode this whole series i'm excited to see how people react to this one i really want this to be a uh, a thing we look back on and go that was a formative experience for us mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> <laughs> And until next time, you all stay spooky out there. Mm